Quibi. Mm -hmm. It stands for Quick Bites. Uh, mobile video is the focus. Can you talk about the content? What's going to be unique about the content that you have? What's going to make it stand out in a world filled with options? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So Quibi has quite a unique content strategy. Um, it, everything is made for mobile. And every episode or session length on Quibi is less than 10 minutes. And we have three different kinds of content. We have what we call movies in chapters. So it could be a 150-minute movie that's told in 15, 10-minute chapters. And my best analogy for you there is The Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code is 464 pages and 105 chapters. Every chapter is just five pages long because Dan Brown said, I don't think my readers have 45 minutes anymore. So we were inspired by that. But there's nothing lesser about the Da Vinci Code than the length of its chapters. And we would argue our movies are world-class movies, just a different del delivery mechanism designed um, entirely for mobile. Then we have a section that is alternative and unscripted, lighter fare, things that are more native to the platform. And then finally, daily essentials. There's a whole category of information on the internet that is not very well curated, not organized. And so we're going to take movies, I mean, we're going to take news, sports, weather, talk shows, all kinds of things to create a daily consumption habit. And just give us a flavor for some of the content that's been announced so people get a yeah, feel for it. Yeah, sure. So um, we have really a list. Um, thank you to my partner, Jeffrey Katzenberg. We have a-list Hollywood writers, producers, directors, and stars. So, for example, um, Anton Fuqua, who's probably one of the most prominent directors in Hollywood today, has made a show for us called Hashtag Free Ray Sean. It is um, Fruitville Station meets Dog Day Afternoon, um, starring, starring Lawrence Fishburne and Stefan James. And it is um, 15, 10-minute chapters in a fantastic show. Another great one, Steven Spielberg um, heard our strategy. Um, the other thing I should say is we think our use case is 7 in the morning till 7 at night. It's on-the-go viewing on your mobile. And Stephen came to us and said, I think I want to do a show um, that's, that you can only watch at midnight. And we said, hmm, we're on the 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. program. And he goes, yeah, but um, I think it's going to be really scary if you could watch my native scary show um, at midnight. And so he said to the engineers in the room, and um, we said, listen, um, you know, he said, can, it, can we do that? And I said, of course, because we know what time, the, where you are exactly, your phone knows exactly where you are, what time the sun sets precisely, what time the sun comes up, and so that we can lock the content until um, the sun sets, and then in the morning when the sun goes down, we can make the virtual film fell, um, you know, just fall away in front of your very eyes. My wife and I will do what we do at New Year's. We'll set our thing yeah. forward by three hours <laughs> so we can do the 9 p.m. version. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so A-list, yeah. A-list across the board. And um, you launched it with a, subs or you're launching with a subscription model. It's $5 a month if it's ad-free. It's $8 a month if you have ads on it. Can you talk a little bit about both the pricing uh, decisions yeah. you made, how you set that, and what you think it takes to get subscribers? Yeah. So we looked at all the different streaming services. I, I will say I don't think that we compete for time with the big streaming services of Netflix or Hulu or Disney or Apple TV Plus because only 10% of those services, their view, only 10% of their viewing takes place on the mobile phone. And virtually none of it takes place during the day. This is mostly an evening and weekend um, experience. 
But we do think we obviously compete for entertainment dollars across a whole host of things that you could spend money on, whether it was gaming or streaming services or whatever. So we looked at the streaming services and we said we wanted to be at a very affordable opening price point that it was the lowest of all the major streaming services. So that's how we chose what is now $4.99. We had an idea that $5 might be the right thing, and ultimately we sort of you know, um, saw all the research that everyone else sees. Marketing that, works. Yeah. Yeah. So $4.99, and then we said um, you know, what would be a, a price for an ad-free version. And um, so we think it's affordable, and um, I can tell you about you know, all the marketing that we're doing, but um, you know, obviously we have to build a brand. No one's heard of Quibi. We have to um, explain the use case that it's mobile only. I should mention all the content for the app is being made new for Quibi. Because I think what's happened before is the phone, what has happened for content on the phone, is it was built for the movie screen or um, the television screen. It has been stuffed onto the phone in a way. And we're actually creating content uniquely to be watched on the phone. And so it has to be shot different, rendered differently. Um, and then obviously the tech platform that we have built um, makes viewing video on the phone a completely different experience. So let's talk a little bit about your expectation on demographics because, so on the one hand, you've got you know, people like me who pay for everything now, yeah. you know, Netflix and Hulu and HBO and everything. And your suggestion is we're generally not watching those on our mobile devices. My kids only watch on their mobile yeah. devices. They're watching on Snapchat and YouTube and Instagram TV. Um, who are you going after? How do you get them to pay? Because on one hand, we all have so many things we pay for. And on the other hand, I think the younger generation seems not to want to pay for yeah, anything. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, the target audience is 18 to 44. Okay. The content bullseye is 25 to 35. Okay. And we think we'll pick up seven years younger and seven years older. So it is definitely a, a younger and millennial-based um, audience. And um, our thesis here is that every consumer product that has ever really come into existence, there's always a premium version of it. And I'll give you a good analogy. HBO, do you remember when HBO launched? They said it's, their tagline was, it's not TV, it's HBO. Right. And they staked out a premium positioning relative to advertiser-supported TV, by the way, which everyone loved. I mean, it was the height of advertiser-supported TV, whether it was ER or Friends or whatever. And so what we'd like to say is, is we're actually not YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram, stories, et cetera. We're Quibi. And it is a different um, level of content. I don't say necessarily it's, it's better or worse. Um, you know, listen, we love YouTube. We wouldn't be um, sitting here if YouTube hadn't created the most incredible democratized entertainment platform in the world. But we are doing a completely different budget level with a different level of stars and writers and directors and, and storytelling. Do you talk publicly about that, like the dollars per minute? Because yeah. I know the dollars per minute on YouTube are quite low yeah. and on broadcast TV are insanely high. Yeah, sure. No, we've been quite public about it. So, um, you know, a YouTube influencer makes content for probably up to $500 a minute. The great YouTube um, brands, Tasty, Taste Made, my personal favorite, Dude Perfect, um, <laughs> is, you know, probably $5,000 a minute. Um, and then, you know, streaming video, movies, television, 95% of that is about $100,000 a minute or $6 million an hour. There's, there's higher cost shows, you know, um, The Crown, um, Game of Thrones, but 95% of it is in, is in that arena. So for our movies and chapters, we will pay up to um, $6 million an hour plus a 20% profit margin to the uh, to um, the creator. And a big difference in our model, which we've been very public about, is the creators 
the, um, and the studios who they partner with own their own IP. So we license it to the platform for seven years and then it returns to um, the creator, which is a, a big difference in Hollywood today. One of the things you alluded to, and we had a little bit of fun with it in our pre-video, is I think you're known for being able to watch landscape and portrait yep. mode. Talk a little bit about what led to that decision and what you think that does to the viewing experience. Yeah. So we looked at um, you know, all the different alternatives and then we married it to our use case. And think about our use case. As I said, it's on the go. So let's say many of you um, may commute to work in the morning and you get on the bus and you're holding your phone um, in portrait and then maybe you're gonna watch something in landscape. And um, we know that creators, Hollywood creators for years have really done landscape and not so much portrait. And we said, you know what, for that use case, we've got to be able to do um, full screen video, landscape and portrait. Because today, when you watch, say, some things in portrait, it's a little postage stamp video in the, at the top of your phone. Yeah. It needs to be a completely immersive experience. So we set out to say, how do we do um, landscape to portrait, full screen video at will, so that you can decide which way you want to watch. Many, many streaming services you can only watch in horizontal. And uh, so we set out to do that, and um, we, we've created a really interesting technology platform that has inspired creators to do things in a completely different way. And one of the things that we've tried to do is a marriage between Hollywood and Silicon Valley. There's a long history in Los Angeles and Hollywood of technology enabling new ways to tell stories. I mean, go back to the motion picture um, an invention of motion pictures, there were no movies. Right. Creators took that technology and created an industry that is unsurpassed. Television was a completely new technology. And I, I bet some of you know that the first content on TV were radio announcers reading the scripts because they hadn't figured out how to use this new technology. Um, you can think of CGI in animation. So we think this new platform that makes viewing video on your mobile incredibly immersive, very um, effective, we think could unleash a whole new way for creators to tell stories. What does it mean for the people who shoot the video? Yep. Because almost by definition, it seems like you can't take video that was made for any other purpose. You cannot. You cannot. We will be the first streaming service that launches without a library because everything has to be made um, uniquely for Quibi. So um, if you're filming with one camera, which I think most of our uh, creators will, is they have to keep in mind, they look, the cinematographer looks through their camera and says, what does it look like in portrait? What does it look like in landscape? And they have to keep those two thoughts in their head. Because in the end, they have to deliver us a portrait edit and a landscape edit. And then the GPS in your phone knows which way you're holding it, and we deliver the right edit to you. It's all synced, of course, from a sound perspective, because it was all made at the same time. And uh, so they had to, it's been fascinating because every new director who does this, we have almost what I would call a wiki, which is like a playbook, and they're all adding to it. The first one had ideas, and then the second one had more ideas, and now it is a remarkably creative and collaborative culture here in LA. And so, every, so there's a, just a, an extended body of work now about how to do this in a way that's remarkable. You ran a very large, important technology company. You have a storied career in the technology industry. Talk about Quibi's take on what technology is as a differentiator relative to the industry. What investments are you making? Yeah. What uh, importance do you ascribe to it? So we thought from the beginning that we were actually doing a, media, a tech media company. Because remember I told you, Jeffrey and I had this idea that 
um, for many, many years, technology enabled a new way to tell stories. So we said, how could we build a technology platform first and then um, expose it to the creators who could decide how to use it? And um, so from the beginning, we, um, and so many um, companies in this industry are co content companies who then became tech companies or tech companies who then became content companies. We tried to do this at the beginning with, um, you know, tech as a primary. And so we, um, you know, we have 70 or 80 engineers and product people. We have 70 or 80 content creators or content green lighters. We don't make any content ourselves. By the way, we commission content from our studio partners. But we have a whole team that is designed to, to decide what we should commission. And so tech has been at the forefront, and we've created an entirely new way to do this portrait and landscape that we have patents on that we should get in the next you know, five or 10 days. Are there other parts of the tech stack that you've talked publicly about yeah. that, that, you're, that you think become differentiators? Yeah, sure. So think about it. When you, um, there's all kinds of different things. Personalization. Okay, so on average, when you're trying to find something that you're looking for on some of the big streaming services, it can take 8, 10, 12, 15 minutes to find what you're looking for. We have to get you content very fast because the viewing window is only 10 minutes, so it can't take 10 minutes to find what you're looking for. So we are meta-tagging each de novo piece of content, because remember it's all made for us, down to the frame level, which will allow our AI and ML to kick in sooner so that we can get you what you want fast. We've designed the app in such a way that you will have a feed every day of 25 things, 10 minutes or less, that we think you will like. And then as soon as we understand what you're looking for, then we could actually, let's say you're watching our sports streaming show, which is done for us by ESPN, which will be a little bit of, um, do you remember Sports Center used to have um, mostly highlights and a few talking heads, and they now mostly went to a little highlights and a lot of talking heads. We're going back to highlights narrated by a sports um, enthusiast. And let's say you've watched that three days in a row in the morning, maybe on the fourth day, you open the app and we start streaming that to you because we know it's what you want. I see. So there's personalization. There's also, how do you optimize mobile viewing? Have you ever been watching your phone um, maybe in the airport waiting lounge for a flight to take off and then they announce the flights and you can't hear anything? Yeah. So you can touch our app and up come subtitles so you can watch while it gets loud. So little things that optimize the viewing experience on mobile. And then we do think interactivity is a really important part of our future. We have a dating show, um, which is very interactive. And we think over time there's, you know, there's, there's a lot. Think about utilizing every aspect of the phone, the camera, the touchscreen, the GPS, the gyroscope all can be utilized to, to create new shows. I think there's such a mantra, and particularly amongst VCs, um, that the media industry's broken. And what I like to say is media is actually increasing. We're increasing our consumption, not decreasing. Just how you monetize it is changing. So examples here in the audience, we have FabFitFun that started in yep. media, has monetized it through providing subscription boxes. We have another company here called Solve that took your uh, last example of interactivity. They create mobile video that's interactive, but they're now building it into a video game and monetizing through the video game. So I think that's really the next era. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's so interesting to watch how fast these, I mean, we see this obviously in Silicon Valley all the time, which is, you know, new ways to do things completely disrupts an industry. And, uh, and you're starting to see, I think, a whole new generation of entertainment that is enabled by new forms of technology and interactivity that I think can change the entire landscape. 
from your career in technology, you probably know our mantra is um, raise a small round, find product market fit, iterate, 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 and then step on the gas. We kind of have a problem, I say, in our industry in Silicon Valley of rounds getting a little too big now, 20 million, 30 million, 40 million to get started. Your A round, or no, I guess your seed round was a billion dollars. Let me say our first round of funding. Yeah. <laughs> billion dollar seed round. Uh, talk a little bit about the decision and the importance yeah. of that and, and how you see that. Yeah. So um, remember, we are creating an entirely new type of content to be viewed on your mobile. And uh, as I said, we will be the first um, streaming service that launches without a library because you can't take a 60-minute Game of Thrones and chop it up into six 10-minute segments. The story arcs aren't right. It hasn't been shot for mobile. It hasn't been shot for what we call turnstile, which is our landscape to, to portrait. And um, so we knew we had to make all the content new. We also knew that you couldn't come to Quibi and see 2.3 pieces of content. It had to be completely an immersive experience with a unique content strategy of movies and chapters. You come from movies and chapters, you're delighted by our alternative and documentaries, and the daily consumption habit is, in fact, our um, daily essentials. So we knew that um, there were two big costs to this company. One was um, content, and the second was marketing, because no one had heard of this. There was not a big brand behind it. So we decided to give ourselves a, a real fighting chance to make this work. We had to raise enough money to be able to create, at launch, a completely immersive experience. And um, so that's why we decided that that's what we needed to do. And um, as you probably know, we've raised another $400 million, yes. um, with a first close in December and another close um, for another $100 million in January. And I guess to get ESPN and Steven Spielberg, it takes a bit of money to get them to produce great content. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is expensive content. Our movies are, you know, not all of them, but we will pay up to $6 million an hour. So we'll launch with, we will make in year one 175 shows and 8,500 episodes. And the, the business model, you may say, hmm, but the business model is, um, as you pointed out, is subscription plus advertising. If your only monetization mechanism was advertising, I don't think this business model would work because I don't think you could afford to pay for the content that you needed and the marketing. So that's why this mix of advertising plus subscription is so important. And listen, we've had such support. We have sold out our first year inventory of advertising for $150 million. We have a great deal with T-Mobile, who is going to bundle our um, Quibi subscription with all their Magenta subscribers. And um, you know they're a great brand fit for us because yeah. they're great marketers and, and millennials. So we've de-risked, I think, year one by those two things. But there's no question it's a big bet. When you think about content creators, I think mm -hmm. we have this dichotomy in LA, which is right now the, the wars for subscribers means that if you're J.J. Abrams or you're Reese Witherspoon, if you are super premium and an audience wants you, they'll pay unlimited because they're trying to win eyeballs. If you're a newer creator trying to get discovered on some of these platforms, I won't name any of them, um, what I'm told is it's really hard to build a business because they control so much of the rights. And so you put this great piece of content out, you make 20% margin, and you have no other way to monetize. Talk about that tension and how you see being uh, creator friendly. I know you said after seven years they get their content back, but in seven years they're dead if they don't have like a profitable business. Yeah. What, what other room do you yeah. think they have for building businesses and how will Quibi yeah. help them? 
So we thought about this. Um, as you think about Quibi, we think there's really two um, profit pools, if you will, um, in VC language. One is the creator profit pool, what is, what is the value of the content, and the other is the platform. Um, pool of, of advertising and subscriptions. So we said we thought it was the right thing to do to move 100% of the profitability of the creative to the creating community. And so remember, it's we pay the cost of production plus 20%, so there's a 20% profit margin, um, at least so that makes you feel like that was worth doing. And then you own your own IP. And this is very different. It actually harkens back to um, before there were the fin rules in Hollywood where you know, the networks didn't used to own their own IP. And it was a golden era for Hollywood. So we decided to go back to that. And that is why we have not only existing very well-known creators, Reese Witherspoon is making content for us, Steven Spielberg's making contests, all, all those folks that you mentioned, um, are because they find it to be a very attractive financial deal in Hollywood. And then we also have many young new creators who are making content for us. Um, Ty, uh, Ty Sheridan and Zach Wechner have created something completely different with Turnstile than what I described. They have in horizontal, it is one view of the scene, and in vertical, it's the other view, another view of the scene. We did not create this. We actually sort of said, okay, listen, here's how you do it with one camera. And they came to us and said, we have a whole nother idea. And that's exactly what we had hoped. And now we have an avalanche of creators coming to us with really innovative ways of doing this. So we made it super financially attractive for them. And on the movie side, back to um, uh, uh, you know, thinking about these movies in chapters and Anton Fuqua. So after two years, he can reassemble those 15 chapters that I told you about, each were 10 minutes in length, reassemble it into a shorter form but singular movie and sell it into another window after two years. Okay. So it's, it's another way for them to make money. So the window opens in two years. In two years. Do you have, is it US license, is it global it's license? It's a global license. Um, yeah, we learned from a number of the other services that this will ultimately be a global platform. And so as a result, we had to, whenever we commissioned content, we had to get global rights for that content. So we made sure that was you know, part of the original deal. One of the things we all read about a lot that I think were hard, hard to process our brains of the importance of that you must be thinking about is 5G. Yes. How do you see 5G changing experiences like those for Quibi? When is it coming? What should we know about the importance of yeah. it? Yeah. So 5G has been a long time coming, as you know, and um, we will see um, how it works when it is um, out in the wild. Um, but each of the um, telcos that we talked to about bundling Quibi thought we were the perfect use for 5G because we are on the go. You're out and about. You're you know, on a bus. You're waiting in line at a, for a cup of coffee at a, at a coffee store. You're at a doctor's office. You're walking from point A to point B. You're waiting for friends um, to meet. And so they thought we were the perfect use of, for 5G because it will accelerate speeds dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a slightly more complicated um, technology, um, that 5G actually will be super helpful to us, and I think we are a great use case for something completely new. I think the AirPod culture is also going to benefit you. It is. It is. I will tell you, from now, we... Um, just in Sundance last week, we um, showed 11 shows and 15 episodes for people just to get a sense of what it was like to watch three or four episodes of a movie on your phone. 
And so, of course, we had, um, you know, our, our AirPods and, and others. And it is a remarkably immersive experience. There's something magical about, about your phone because it is, it is just you and that phone. When you're watching television, you know, you'll see this weekend at the Super Bowl, people are coming in and out and you're getting up and getting food and there's lots of people around. When you're watching your phone, even on a bus or in a doctor's office, it's you and that phone. And it is a surprisingly immersive experience. And the portrait view of this is remarkable. And um, in some ways, we think some of the movies are as powerful, if not more so, in portrait than they are in landscape, which was unexpected by the Hollywood creative community because they're very used to shooting in portrait but I in think landscape. Tech proved that because Snapchat has had so much. Yes, success. it has. But this is a whole nother. No, level. I mean in but terms yes, of you're right, absolutely. Portrait. But I think this will appeal to um, you know even an older audience yeah. than Snap. Um, because it's so immersive. So we're, we're excited about that. It's a, it's a whole different experience. Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, your rollout is kind of imminent. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the launch? Uh, when is it coming? What are your plans? And also in the same answer, could you talk about what you've learned from the recent Disney launch? Yeah, What sure. have you incorporated? So we have, you'll love this, we have a countdown clock in our kitchen that has how many days to launch, how many hours and minutes, and yesterday it said 67 days. Yikes. <laughs> um, but I think we'll be ready. So it's April 6th um, is when we launch. And um, we, we've had sort of a, a very thoughtful approach to this because when we first started, um, the funding, the first funding that you talked about came in April, I mean in August of 2018. And we had to actually explain to Hollywood what this was. We went to all the agencies and all the lawyers. We um, had a lot of um, press in, in the local Hollywood press because we had to build enthusiasm for this new way to tell stories. And then we began to tell a little bit more in the business press. Um, and now, starting really right about now, we now start our consumer, what I would call rolling thunder, mm -hmm. which will include obviously growth digital, brand digital, television, out of home. And obviously, we're making our website work hard between now and April 6th. So if you all have a chance, go to Quibi.com. You can sign up to be a Quibi Insider, and we'll give you all sorts of inside information about the launch. Um, so we have a rolling thunder right through April 6th. And then here in LA on April 5th, we should have the red carpet to end all red carpets, because we launched with 50 shows. Wow. So I think we'll have a, a fantastic red carpet and we'll do the normal um, press that surrounds that. And you still have my email address, right? I do, yes. And you could, you know what, here, we're sitting here, you're invited if you'd like to Thank come. you, you heard it, you heard it. We'll send was, you an invite. I was teasing. Um, so we hope that um, our objective is that we have a very high degree of awareness among our tar target audience in the US and Canada. We're launching in the US and Canada first. And as I said, our partner um, you know, is T-Mobile and they will be activating all their uh, stores and their marketing. And so we think we'll, we'll have a big launch. We need to have a big launch because we want to make sure that we um, end up with you know, a, a lot of people doing their two-week free trial. Because when you start, no matter when you sign up, there's a two-week free trial. What did we learn from Disney? Um, I think that Disney's an entirely different thing. I mean, they have a 100-year-old brand with some of the most recognizable content in the world. But what we did learn is streaming has become mainstream. Right. I mean, every you think about when Netflix launched their streaming services, they had to explain to people what streaming was. 
And now you look at everyone understands this, everyone understands the subscription model. And so I think what you saw by their phenomenal success, which um, you have to say they, had, they did a remarkable job, but I think it's also that this is a behavior, a well-established customer behavior that people understand and feel really comfortable that with. That and Baby Yoda, right? Yes, that uh -huh. and Baby Yoda. Baby so, Yoda was big. So you have a very interesting business partner in this journey. I do. Jeffrey Katzenberg. What's it like to work with Jeffrey? Yeah. And does he require you to leave your mobile phone on past midnight? <laughs> <laughs> so Jeffrey and I have been friends for 30 years. I was in strategic planning at the Walt Disney Company when he was running the studios. And I think I might have been the only strap planner that he talked to. Huh. Um, and we stayed in touch. Um, and I was on his board at DreamWorks Animation when he took that company public. I was at eBay at the time. And then by coincidence, one of my predecessors at HP had struck a technology marketing deal with DreamWorks where we, HP Technology, ran the entire DreamWorks studios. And so we've known each other for many years and have been good friends. And when I said I was stepping down from HP, um, after six and a half years, I told the board I'd stay five. I was still there. And uh, he said, would you ever come do this with me? And we had a long conversation at the end. I said, this is a really good idea. He's pretty persuasive. He's very persuasive, but it's also a really good idea. So listen, we are completely different. Jeffrey is a right brain storyteller. I am a left brain analytical thinker. Um, I like to plan and be thoughtful, and Jeffrey is creative. And it is our superpower. Um, honestly, I think one plus one on a good day equals five or six, on a bad day equals two. And um, it, but it has taken a lot of maturity to figure out how to work together. I often say, you know, if we'd done this 20 years ago, it might have been a little more contentious. But we're, you know, we've had success. We're, we like to say we're old dogs, you know, doing something new. And, uh, and so there's a great deal of trust and a great deal of respect between us. Um, so it's great fun. And I will say, as you said, um, you know, does he, does he require me to keep my phone on? No. But I'm a pretty hard worker, too. Yeah. I think he's a harder worker than I am. But, uh, but we're sort of always on, and we talk to each other six or seven days. In fact, he called me right as I was coming in so, here. Um, and uh, and, and I, it's all based on trust. And um, I also will tell you, I think I have done a lot of work with founders. And um, he is the founder, I'm the CEO. And um, there is a special gift that founders have. Many of you are founders. And um, you know, ha my job is to figure out exactly how to get the very best out of Jeffrey. And, uh, and you know, he's just a remarkable talent. I had the privilege of having a few breakfast meetings with him in a row, and I sort of felt, oh, this is nice. I felt proud, and I was telling somebody, and they said, which breakfast meeting were you first or second? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he does two breakfast meetings every day, and so I suddenly felt downgraded. Um, I still don't know if first is better or second is better. It, it, he's completely indifferent. You were good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but anyway, please give a very big thanks Thank to you. Meg Whitman. <laughs>